I must say, after three months of informal worship, it is a little strange to pull my robes out of mothballs and put on my uniform and stand in the pulpit. But it's not that strange. In fact, this pulpit holds us accountable, holds me accountable, as do these robes, to the office, which is always higher than the personality. With that disclaimer, let us hear the word of God as it is given to us from the gospel according to Mark chapter 7, verses 24 through 37. Jesus is in Capernaum, and from there he sets out and went away to the region of Tyre. It's about a three-day journey by foot. It's also where Lebanon, in Lebanon now, and it's a beach town. Tyre and Sidon are on the beach. And he enters a house and did not want anyone to know he was there. Yet he could not escape notice. And a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately heard about him, and she came and bowed down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile. She was of Syrophoenician origin. She begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. But he said to her, Let the children be fed first. For it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, For saying that, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. So she went home and found the child lying on the bed, and the demon, probably epilepsy, was gone. This is the word of the Lord. No matter how you slice it, it was an ugly thing to say. Just in the passage before Jesus calls the scribes and Pharisees, the church leaders, hypocrites, from pretending to be so righteous on the outside, yet so unrighteous on the inside. And now, immediately following that, he calls this desperate woman who had come to him, kneeling at his feet, asking that he save and heal her daughter. He, he calls her a dog. That's what he's saying, a dog. For let the children be first. It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. She was Syrophoenician by origin, which meant she was a Gentile. Phoenicia, by the way, is the area around Tyre and Sidon, and it got its name from the Greek word for purple. It came from the mollusks from the sea, and they would grind the mollusks down and get the purple oil out to make purple cloth. It would take hundreds of mollusks to make one garment. Did I say she was a Gentile? She was a Gentile, not of the children of Israel. Did I say she was a woman? Yes, twice cursed. Did I say she had a daughter who was demon-possessed? Thrice cursed. 
And she kneels at Jesus' feet and prays, literally begs him to save her. Let the children be fed first? It's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs? Jesus, what happened to the golden rule? Jesus, what happened to blessed are the little children come unto me? He could have said a hundred things with more manners than that. I mean, Madam, I am so tired. I am here on, at Tyre. I'm here at the beach. I'm, I need a vacation. You just don't understand. I, I, there's nothing I can do. I'm worn out. He could have said, sorry, you're not even on my health plan. Anything but that. After a while, you think, Jesus is more human than we thought. Certainly, we traditionally say that he was 100% divine, fully divine, and then we traditionally say that he was fully human, too. And like most human contradictions, Jesus was probably the most contradictory of all, living fully divine and fully human. We've got that in us, too. We're a complicated lot, we humans. But Jesus, even more so, it is this human part of him, however, I think that this story is about. And he needs a break. He was exhausted. Mark's gospel starts with Jesus being baptized. No birth story. He just walks on stage as an adult. He's baptized. He's whisked away into the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted by Satan. Immediately he comes out. He starts calling his 12 disciples. He takes them all to Capernaum to Peter's house where he discovers that Peter's mother is in bed with an illness so he has to heal her. Word gets out and the whole town, the whole district comes, gathers around the house so that there's not even room to get in and out of the door. They all needed Jesus to fix them. He touches a leper by hand which was a ritual taboo. He heals on the Sabbath and receives more criticism from the religious people. So many people found him when he went to the Sea of Galilee that he had to find a boat to get in to get off the shore for fear that he would be trampled to death. And after preaching to them and making his way to the other side with the disciples in the boat, a storm musters up He's asleep in the bow, of course. He's exhausted. A storm comes up and they shake him awake and he has to stand up and through the, through the voice of God says, be still to the storm, just as God said, be still to the waters of chaos on that first day of creation. And then he gets back in the bow and goes back to sleep. And then when he gets to the other side, they wake him up again. He gets on the shore, and the first thing happens is this man comes running up to him with 2,000 demons. He's possessed with 2,000 demons. And Jesus has to muster up the will of God to exercise those 2,000 demons into a herd of swine, and they ran into the ocean. And in Gennesaret... He healed more and more. It never ended. He needed a break. They went to the beach. No sooner had he unpacked his bag in the, I don't know, Airbnb, 
Then this Syrophoenician woman wanders in immediately and persistently and non-threateningly encounters him and asks desperately for healing. And when Jesus says, it's for the children, not the dogs, it's a derogatory term, by the way. I know scholars try to soften it by saying he the, the, the Greek word really means puppies, but to me that just makes it worse. It's a derogatory term. It's a racial term. It's, it's like calling someone a spick or a Jew. It's a nasty term. That's what they called the Gentiles, dogs. And that was, dogs weren't like pets back then. And she says to him, in a non-threatening way, yes, that even dogs get to eat the crumbs from the table. It's amazing how when you encounter someone and you have that conflict, if you can stay in the conversation and not lose your anger, your temper, stay calm, even she even she makes herself the scapegoat. Yes, even dogs get the crumbs from the table. And in that conversation, in that encounter, say it's someone that you don't agree with politically or theologically or someone of a different tribe or race or nationality, if you stay in that encounter, it's amazing what can happen in terms of reconciliation and transformation. Because Jesus, through this woman's Patience and forbearance changes his mind. All of a sudden, through her, he sees that the, that the kingdom that he came to proclaim was not just to the lost sheep of Israel, which is what he says in Matthew to this woman, I came to save the lost sheep of Israel. He sees that the kingdom he came to proclaim was for every single tribe and person in the world, the Jews and the Gentiles, the believers and even the pagans, which is what she was. She changes his mind, his whole paradigm shifts, and he sees her for the first time as one of his flock. I was visiting someone in the hospital recently, and it's one of those beds that, you know, works by air, and he had sort of slipped over to one side, and he couldn't really get himself back in the middle, and, and because he was on one side of the mattress, all the air left that side and went over to the other side, and which made it even more uncomfortable. He's sleeping on really the, the hard mattress you're not supposed to be on. We couldn't really get him up, and he kept ringing the the buzzer and nobody would come and and, and finally the, the poor nurse who's as tired as Jesus is walk runs in I know I know I'm doing the best I can and and instead of his wife or the man in in the bed jumping him they said we are so sorry to bother you but can you give us a hand here and all of a sudden his whole demeanor changed the nurse's demeanor changed and we were all in this thing together moving him up to the bed and it could have gone so badly where were you 
That's the kind of encounter this woman is willing to have with Jesus, and it changes his mind. Now, scholars don't like this passage because they think that it, you know, Jesus isn't supposed to be changing his mind. He's Jesus, right? I mean, he's born with a halo over his head, according to all the paintings. In fact, he wasn't. In this world, the only thing around Jesus' head was a cross of suffering. He is 100% human and struggles with the same fears and anxieties, the same frustrations, the same anger, the same faith issues, the same tribalism that we suffer. And to think that Jesus is converted by this Syrophoenician woman implies that Jesus didn't know everything. That he too was steeped in the same human condition that we are, which is the point, of course. And this woman from Nowheresville, this Syrophoenician woman from Nowheresville, I mean, she's got three strikes against her, maybe four, is the one who ends up changing Jesus, converting Jesus, which is always, in my life at least, the way it happens. From the stranger, or someone you least expect. When in Atlanta, we would often spend the night, one night a week during Lent, to show solidarity for the homeless. Our guru was a seminary professor who left the seminary, Ed Loring, and started the Open Door Community, a task force for the homeless. And we would follow Ed around at night, that one night during Lent, and he knew all the names, most of the names of the homeless. And we were basically scared to death, but that, that being what it was, we finally had to find a place to sleep. And you can't sleep anywhere publicly in Atlanta, but the Methodist Church downtown would allow homeless people and us to sleep on their asphalt parking space. So it's about one o'clock in the morning and we lie down and it's chilly, it's in late March in Atlanta and we don't really have anything to cover ourselves with. And I gotta tell you, you don't know what hard is until you're sleep, lying down on asphalt for about 10 minutes. And all of a sudden out of the darkness comes about five or six homeless men dragging huge boxes with them. And they break them down and walk up to us and hand them to us for our mattress. Didn't expect that one. Didn't expect it would be the homeless who would be for us the presence of Christ. I mean, we were out there to take care of them. Isn't that the way it is? The place we are least suspecting surprises us with this unbelievable grace. So the scholars don't like this. They want to say that Jesus didn't really say it, that Mark wrote it into the gospel because all, you know, he wants the Gentiles who are part of Mark's church to know that they are included too. I didn't, doesn't make any sense to me. Or they want to say that Jesus was just testing her. It was just a test. He, he was saying to her, we take care of the children. We can't take care of you. We're not, we can't let you at the table just to see if she was going to be faithful and persistent enough, because he didn't trust her. She was a Gentile, right? So he's testing her, and, and, and she passes the test, and then he heals her. I don't like that explanation any better than the other one. The only one that works for me, at least, is that Jesus changed his mind and saw the light.
She convicts him. He's stunned. He realizes his blindness. And he comes to see that his mission was not just to the to the sheep of Israel, but to the sheep of all of God's fold. From this Syrophoenician woman, this woman with a demon-possessed daughter, Jesus gets his mojo back and changes his whole sense of mission. He came to see through her that Gentiles, like Jews, are sheep too, all of us a part of the universal flock of our good shepherd, God. Black and white, male and female, Republican and Democrat, gay and straight, all part of the flock of God. May God give us eyes to see like she could.